0: hello and welcome to do not steal an original character podcast i'm i didn't think of a title this time i'm olivia joseph fuck
1: hello uh i'm hannah yolo who has all the titles because i stole them from olivia and that's how she can't think that's of any I of can't them remember them
0: exactly what if what if we started an episode once and we just had different names and we didn't comment on it, and we just did a normal episode of the podcast, but we just had different names.
1: Sure, let's do it.
0: April Fools' episode where we have different names, and then the
1: characters we make on the episode are us. <laughs> fuck off. Okay, I, I like that a lot. Um, you've you've vetoed my previous April Fools' episode idea, which is that we do uh, the Wendy's RPG.
0: Ah, oh, fuck
1: yeah! I did veto that. <laughs>
0: I stand in a rare, in a rare instance of uh, personal continuity. I stand beside past Olivia. Yeah. She was correct.
1: Um, yeah. If any of our brave listeners want to play the Wendy's RPG with me, then uh, feel free to DM me and I'll ignore you. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. But this isn't an April Fool's episode. No.
0: This is, a this special is not a episode, Wendy's though. RPG episode. It is a special episode. What do we do in this episode?
1: We are recapping what's basically the first season of Do Not Steal, an original character podcast. Um, Yeah. It's a show where we tried out a lot of cool stuff on the first season. Uh, I like to think Mm -hmm. that most of it worked. Um, And we've also kind of like, you know, figured out some things that we want to um, try and, you know, move towards going forward. So we just Mm -hmm. kind of wanted to like look back on the last year uh, reminisce about some of these cool characters, um you know, about like how each of our individual episodes went. uh we also have a bunch of fun little games that we're gonna play for these characters um to just kind mm-hmm. of like give a bit of fun little color for them, and then we're gonna look forward to our next season. How's that sound?
0: yeah, yeah, sounds good, okay, do you wanna just go down? Our, our past episodes and just just go episode by episode and give a little, uh, you know, a brief summary of our characters for people who may may not remember and then just talk a bit about how we feel. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So episode one, Blades in the Dark, mm-hmm. our pilot episode. That's right. What was your character for that episode?
1: Uh, so my character was named Thessaly Harrow. She was a ghost catcher. She was like a very blue collar ghost catcher that kind of got like roped into being Will Graham by a con man Um, (laughs) this was in retrospect an extremely like first character for these things Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think that she's a bad character by any means but like I think something that really struck me when I was like doing my go back and you know see my notes on each podcast episode and try to remember where i was at is how much this is like the philosophy that i use when i'm making a one-shot character where it's like okay you know i can come up with a little backstory but mostly what i'm doing here is coming up with like a vibe and like two or three traits that i can just kind of like hit um which Mm -hmm. is in sharp contrast to how i think about other characters where it's like okay listen I have I have five chapters of fan fiction written about them before I ever think about them.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I think I have pretty much the same like feelings about my own character. Yeah. Um her name was Anias Arshard and she was a she was a kind of like smuggler. Uh she was like a smuggler kingpin whose thing was that she ex- she was a noble but she sort of exploited noble prejudices to position herself as this kind of like incompetent boorish woman mm-hmm. so nobody would suspect that she was actually running like a city-wide smuggling ring um and i think the thing that stuck out for me looking back over is <laughs> like how much anias was basically just like umaneco II era beatrice <laughs> like, no other character... no other, Like, some other characters have kind of, like, reference points in existing characters, but no other character is so much the reference point, yeah. you know? Um, I like her build mechanically. I thought it was fun to kind of, like, create a really downtime-focused um, kind of, like, mastermind character. So I liked what I was able to do with the mechanics, but I feel like, yeah, she could have used a little bit more in the personality department um yeah for maybe sure. in the backstory too
1: like i i have no doubt that like these characters would be super fun to play um just because mm-hmm. again like uh blades in a dark still probably one of the best systems that we've covered um and also yeah. like you know i like i said i did really approach it i felt like from the perspective of like a one shot where it's like well if maybe this character doesn't have quite enough meat on the bone to be somebody that would feel like super satisfied playing for like four years. But would I feel satisfied playing her for one Saturday night? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, as you're going to see with some of our future characters, they're also maybe not the best suited characters for like actual campaigns, but that's more on the level of like, Oh, the two of us are just like writing a, a collaborative short story together at this point. <laughs> This is yeah, this is drifted off the... from RPG world into like okay, we are just writing romantic fan fiction.
0: <laughs> it's not fan fiction if you make the characters. Uh no, If you make it the is. characters yourself, it's just normal fiction. It
1: is because I'm a fan of you.
0: Wow. I'm a fan of you too. See? You you admit it.
1: <laughs>
0: Checkmate. Okay. No, episode 2. I feel like episode 2 lancer not a good rpg but this is where we really start going off
1: yeah uh yeah lancer you know i i I, as we've mentioned plenty of times i love tactical grid based combat stuff um i love offshoots of fourth edition and i especially love offshoots of fourth edition that aren't afraid of like mechanical complexity um because like you definitely get some like 13th age or strike or whatnot that are just like Oh, let's do fourth edition, but like without any of like the, you know, fiddly bits. And it's like, but the fiddly bits are why I'm there. <laughs> like, I don't understand. You're you're making like a tactics RPG and you're saying that like each character has one stat, which is power. It's like, th- that's not why I'm here. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, we, we go back and listen to that episode if you want to hear is just like get upset at left tabletop for an hour um this is our first left tabletop episode mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. It, there's a bit of an arc yeah, you know what
0: what's up you you know what i actually want to say in retrospect i want to play, really praise blades in the dark for being an rpg about like a dispossessed underclass like group like c- clawing their way to the top doing criminal shit and like having no real left tabletop stuff in it to speak of
1: yeah yeah absolutely um, I think I mentioned it at the time, where it's like, if you actually want to, you know, simulate leftism through your tabletop games, like, number one, I would love to talk you out of that. You really don't have to do it, and you probably shouldn't. But if you really insist, then, like, yeah, it should probably be something like Blades in the Dark that has this, like, you know, inherently, um, a structure that's, like, inherently based on being someone dispossessed going up against power structures. Um mm-hmm. Whereas, yeah, what Lancer has going for it are some cool mech designs and a system that, or a setting that sucks in the right ways for the two of us to, like, come up with a really fun prompt in it. Mm -hmm. I'm still
0: reeling from the revelation that, like, they literally world build in that game by, like, throwing ideas to the discord and seeing which ideas get, like, beat up the least and putting that in the game. Um, oh i didn't realize that nuts
1: that's insane it's
0: like what if andrew hussey's writing process for homestuck but worse
1: that's that's awful (laughs) (laughs) oh that sucks so much i hate it um yeah yeah i i I remember actually like being um like uh running a a sci-fi convention in like 2012 2013 maybe and mm-hmm. there was, like, a panel about, like, collaborative art. And I asked a question that was basically, like, oh, you know, for those of you who are making, like, serialized stuff, like web comics, do you ever, um, like, r- see fans as collaborators in any way? Or it's, like, their reactions to things, you know, uh, influence how you write it. And from all the people that were on there who replied that, like, I respected in any way, the answer was, like, a resounding, like, no, if you do that you're gonna drive yourself crazy and it's going to end up as a worst <laughs> piece of art. Um mm-hmm. yeah, I mean uh, I hope that the the authors of uh Lancer can can, you know, move past that mentality, but woof.
0: I hope that they can find peace.
1: Yeah. Uh let's talk about the actual the actual awful girls though. Yeah. Again, I think I
0: think we went off with these girls. Okay. I, I love these girls.
1: Yeah. I. Um, you know, we talked about how, like, there wasn't a whole lot of there there with the first pair. And especially because, like, you know, we did talk about, like, what their interactions together were. But, like, it was kind of structurally two people doing their own things. And then they cross over. Um, mm-hmm. This was, like, the first time that we really had a super satisfying example of, like, Characters whose stories are, like, incredibly wrapped up in each other.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I originally, when we started doing this podcast, like, we had this idea that we would build our characters separately from each other and then kind of, like, come to the podcast with these ideas and, you know, see what we could improv to make them come together and I honestly feel like the main thing I learned from this year is I like the episodes where we mostly work separately the least. Yeah. <laughs> and the best episodes are when we spend like three weeks pre-podcast just extensively like character building with each other. Yeah. I yeah. I,
1: I think we've very much learned that that's the move. Um, yeah. I don't want to like you know just completely foreclose on the other avenue because, um, mm-hmm. like, it can be fun to have, like, secrets that kind of get, like, revealed live and are reacted to mm-hmm. live, but um, I think it's very clear that, like, this is much more of, like, a a collaborative writing exercise rather than, like, a live improv exercise based on individual writing exercises than we were initially giving mm-hmm. it credit for.
0: Yeah, I-, I think the other mode can be fun, but that's why I was careful to say that I enjoy <laughs> the uh the collaborative version more. Mm-hmm. I just think I get a lot more excited for it. Yeah. Um it's it's a lot more, you know, cuz to get a little personally, I like I have a bad tendency to kind of second guess myself with my own creative work and so I I'm, I'm more comfortable going into an episode like having our having like a something that we have hammered out and worked on for for a few for a few weeks or so yeah. and it's more exciting to me to like present something that I feel like I've had a chance to work on and mold versus, like, bringing something that I have been working on in secret and being like, ha here it is. I don't know if it's good, <laughs> but, like, when we talk to each other, I feel like it's good,
1: you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, as we get into the later uh, episodes, like, I think we are going to see a very specific example of how much it can kind of, like, be a letdown when we kind of go into the episode being like, oh yeah, we'll wing it. We'll like, you know, see if these characters like, you know, have something to bounce off each other with. And the answer is just like, kind of, no, not really. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's, as somebody who like preps meticulously and who like thinks obsessively about my character outside of um, like actual play sessions, when I'm like doing actual role playing, it's very natural uh way for me to approach the podcast and uh I'm glad that you agree
0: mm-hmm. yeah i'm beginning to suspect there's a, to suspect that there's a reason why a bunch of tabletop rpgs encourage you to talk to the other players when you're making your character
1: yeah yeah absolutely um shockingly i i definitely remember like being at a uh like high school D first session for like a game that never really went anywhere and just being, like, either A, oh, we've brought, like, four people with completely different tones. Or, like, B, oh, we all brought kind of the same guy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, women. Yes. Uh, They fucking rule. They're awful. They're awful to each other, specifically. Uh, But maybe there is good in them. Um, I think it was so woke
0: of us to make them... Like, okay one of the first moments where i was like super energized by something that we came up with on this podcast was when we decided to make both of our characters clones of the same person yeah and then the second time this happened was when we decided that they would both be like girl clones of a <laughs> of a man yeah and one of them would be trans and the other would not be yeah <laughs> like, that was that was just us on our bullshit
1: yeah, it's... Extremely. It's so cool that you just get to make decisions like that. <laughs> um, rules. I love fiction. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that, like, there is... This is one of the, the pairs where it's just, like, super clear that, like, a lot of, um, kind of, like, cohesive, shared thought went into them. um, And I think mm-hmm. that, like, if I recall, we do mention on that episode, like, a couple times that, like, oh, we swear we didn't plan this part in advance and whatnot, but, like, I think that, like, by the time we really got to those specific moments, like, we had planned enough in advance that, like, we both kind of knew where the story was going. Such that, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: technically it's a coincidence if, like, one other thing lines up. But, like, you know, n- not really. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, we knew the
0: structures. You know, I don't think we yeah. talked, you know, as much as we talked on the vampire episode, for example. But yeah. we we knew the basics, of each other's character structures going in Mm -hmm. and we ran a few things by each other to the degree where it's like yeah i could infer what you were going for even if i didn't literally know
1: yeah and i i think another thing that like really speaks to how much fun we had with these two is that um as i recall they're really like the only pair where we did a lot of like just role-playing out or like not like you know literally getting into mm-hmm. character, but just sort of like uh hashing out like what happens to them after the stuff that's like, discussed on the episode. And that's like secret content mm-hmm. for the two of us. You guys don't get to hear it. But mm-hmm. we were clearly like buzzing about these two enough that it's just like, oh shit, oh shit. Like what if after yeah. this then they have this conflict and they resolve it this way and they have this relationship going forward. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I would I would love to play a game with these two. Um the big not mm-hmm. Lancer, but maybe like a different game. Fuck off! I would love to play Lancer.
0: <laughs> I mm. okay. I might actually like to play Lancer. I like the I I like Maya's mech
1: build. Yeah, you know? like it's a good build. I just there's think there's fun builds. Like... There's fun mechanics. Like I think playing Lancer is embarrassing, but like again, not in the same way where it's like playing D anD D, which like you know, spoilers. I am playing D anD D right now. Um, with like you know, pirated books and. Uh, documents that you can find online and everything but like i am playing DD fifth edition right now in a campaign with nora uh half because role playing is inherently fun if you do it with cool people no matter how bad the system is and half because i wanted to try it once so that i could talk about how awful it is in an informed way rather than like a this is my best guess way It turns out I was right about everything before playing it, so I probably didn't need to do this. Uh, But I can now say, like, with confidence that D&D 5th Edition is a fucking awful system. Anyway, what this is all leading up to is that, like, as I've mentioned in, um, in that episode that we did on Lancer, like, if you just point at things in the Lancer system and say, these things really suck diegetically then it's not an awful system or or an Mm -hmm. an awful setting. The problem is that, like, the book really insists that they don't suck diegetically and thus that, like, the community around the book insists that they don't suck diegetically and so forth and so forth. But, Mm -hmm. like, as we discussed, I think I'm much more willing than you are to just sort of be like, oh, well, if we just say that, like, you know, the union or whatever it's called, like, is uh an an actual like awful imperialist state that's kind of like masquerading as being part of like a um an anti-capitalist legacy then sure i'd play in that system i'd play in that setting i wouldn't have any you know huge problem with that Mm.
0: the main reason i wouldn't want to play lancer is that um my brain starts to turn off when there's more than an hour of tabletop combat in a session
1: very fair um
0: yeah Combat-heavy games I like to think about, I never enjoy playing.
1: Yeah, it can fucking suck. Um, I think Lancer kind of, like, has the potential to maybe streamline that because it is fundamentally about, like, making these cool builds where a lot of moving pieces fit together in the build phase, but you fundamentally only ever do, like, two or three things tops in combat unless you've, like, specifically Mm. built your mech to be, like, very, very resilient. Um, but yeah, like it, it can still last super, super long.
0: Yeah. I guess I thought about Maya's like black knight a lot, but really all it does is just like melee attack, <laughs> ranged attack, melee attack, ranged attack, go yeah.
1: fast. <laughs> and to be clear, that's cool as hell. That's fun as hell. That would never get old, but yeah. Um, it's not like you have to like, you know, sit down at the chessboard and like, uh, you know, evaluate which of, of 50 possible moves are the most optimal in a given time. Mm-hmm. um yeah anything else to yeah. uh, say about these pair um
0: maya is my fir- is the first of uh of an olivia classic on this podcast the toxic Extro- extrovert bitch <laughs> yeah you're gonna get a few of these and you're probably more in the future yeah, there's a point. There's a point. I think you can tell. I think you can tell if you look at all the characters and like think about their personalities. There's a point where I'm like, "Fuck! I'm making too many toxic extrovert women. I gotta get some boys in here, and they gotta be like a little quieter." And you can be the judge of uh, the degree to which I I failed to write quieter characters. For sure. Um, I
1: uh-huh. think that like similarly, Ivy signals the start of an archetype, uh, of like. Mm-hmm. Women who are very laid back uh in ways that kind of belie the extreme curdledness of their hearts mm-hmm. like uh, I
0: said this is the lancer episode is where we first find
1: our bullshit yeah. for this uh for this show, yeah, yeah, uh it was definitely the moment where like you know to 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 kind of pull behind the curtain, uh we did record the first two episodes before launch, and I think that like after the first one we were still kind of like. We were still enthusiastic about the podcast, but I think that we both did kind of say, like, yeah, that was a good first episode. It wasn't necessarily, like, an amazing first episode. Um, But, you know, we'll hit our stride eventually. Uh, We hit our stride in the second episode, as it turns out. And it was just like, oh, if we just do shit like this forever, then, like, we're good. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Episode three. Eidolon. Eidolon... Uh, no it's just called it's Idolon become your best self is that it mm-hmm. okay yep uh eidolon become your best self uh, 2.0 i don't know exactly what they're calling it but that should be coming out soon uh you should you should subscribe yeah. to their patreon you should give them money you should get excited about their new tarot based resolution system because uh guess what they they agree with uh, a lot of what we spend that episode talking about, which is that, like, PBTA games are fun little training wheels. But, like, if you can design a system that doesn't use them, then, like, please give that a shot. Um,
0: <laughs> poor poor Molly. I can't believe we had Molly on the podcast to be like, well, it was a good first attempt at her, <laughs> at her tabletop game. We're really toxic. We're so toxic. Molly, I love you if you're listening. <laughs> Molly, you're great. Sorry,
1: you're you're the best. Um, Molly's Molly was such a great presence on this episode. Uh, shout out. To yeah, her.
0: I, I, I remember being a little worried about having a guest on, because like you said, we recorded the first two episodes before we actually released the podcast. So I was a little worried about our first recording post podcast release having a guest on, but it just it just went well. Yeah turns out it turns
1: out molly just a good podcaster yeah and you know i i think that like as we're gonna see later like we're both kind of coming to realizations about like the limitations of having guests on in ways that are like really separate from like the virtues of any specific guest um Mm -hmm. but i do think that like you know spoiler uh little sneak preview into when we're talking about what season two is going to be like uh probably fewer guests probably more Mm -hmm. of the two of us being on our bullshit um but Mm -hmm. in this case like it did really work out well and i think that like part of why we had as many guests as we did in the first season is just because like damn if we can get that molly magic in here again um (laughs) yeah i think we
0: also just had like a strong hook for every character like We were all, this was another one where we kind of worked separately, but we all had such a strong, like, okay, we're going to make some sad teens in the early 2000s and they live on the Jersey Shore. Let's fucking
1: go. Yeah. Um, So I've actually been thinking about this and like, which of these campaigns, these like hypothetical campaigns uh, Mm -hmm. attached to these, you know, 12 episodes, what I actually most want to play. Um, And I think it's this one. And that's mm-hmm. not necessarily saying that, like, Ash and Ryan are my favorite characters out of the the bunch, but I think that there are characters that I like more that would probably be annoying for everyone at the table who isn't me and you, uh, because they are <laughs> so, like, heavily mediated in, like, their individual relationships. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, like, what we talked about before, where it's, like, at a certain point, we're not really doing hypothetical rpg campaigns we're doing hypothetical like short stories featuring these two characters um Mm -hmm. this is one that i would fucking love to play uh i
0: I think i think both ryan and ash like they have some kind of like elements of stock characterness in a good way yeah um i think both of them are very realistic feeling archetypes which just you know you could kind of pick up Ryan or Ash and kind of put them in any party of like teenagers, you know. Yeah. Like Ash Ash wants to be a bitch to everyone cuz she's sad all the time and Ryan wants everyone to be his friend
1: because he's sad all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh then uh oh shit. Molly's not here to deny this claim. Uh Jamie is going around giving batista bombs to everyone in the uh hallways of the high school because that's how their Eilon power activates
0: yeah jamie's not sad <laughs> jamie just wants to, to hear the gossip Jamie's goss. just rude
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's just a rude gossip um no but i i, I really love like the interactions that we had between the three of them because like again we didn't really sketch out like a massive dramatic arc between the characters there but like i think that we sketched out basically like really compelling vibes of like what the dynamic between each pair of this triangle of characters is like um and i think that that would make for like such a fun campaign environment like honestly if it was just like a gm and then those three players then Mm -hmm. great that's a fantastic campaign right there um yeah i think so too but yeah it's this was a super fun one um and like It it, it really does kind of like, like you said, offer the counterpoint to, oh, we can sometimes just get it right by uh, doing our own separate stuff. But I think that like Mm -hmm. doing so requires like a really strong understanding of tone uh, Mm -hmm. because like we tend to reply to tone in complementary ways. If we're just doing Mm -hmm. like an understanding of genre or, you know, like practical situation, then probably not. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i i agree
1: Mm -hmm. uh episode episode four wait wait very quick i I do want to uh because i don't think that we actually mentioned this on episode three itself because i didn't realize until afterwards but uh would you like to hear for the record my theory about what episode three is actually about I guess like Um, what the diegetic story of uh, Eidolon Pop Punk is all about.
0: uh, I don't know what you're talking about, so go for it. Fuck yeah. Uh, Eidolon Pop
1: Punk is about 9-11. Oh, wait, I do remember this. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'm always on my bullshit. Uh, All right, for our dear listeners, check this out. It takes place in the early 2000s in the shadow of New York City. Um, Mm -hmm. It is about like a sort of you know late 90s sense of like existential ennui because like oh no history ended and like nothing's interesting anymore that is shattered by the arrival of like some you know huge out of context horror that like dramatically reshapes like what you imagine as the stakes of your life um and is about kind of like reacting to you know the rapid basically like weaponization of that um so to the extent that like you know if we think about these as cohesive stories then uh this is a story that's about being a kid reacting to
0: 9-11 mm-hmm. also also i don't think i said this on episode three but ryan literally has an older brother in the military fuck yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why he has a car it's his brother's car
1: oh uh, so cool his, his older brother was like Oh no, nine eleven happened. I gotta do something.
0: Yeah, I gotta serve my country and Ryan's like, I think I'd get kicked out of the military for being gay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm not gay, but I think they'd kick me out of the military for being gay. R- Ryan's older brother was on defense about enlisting, but then saw one of those like go army ads where like uh, a soldier fights like a lava monster with a sword and was like, I gotta <laughs> do that for my country. Oh boy. Alright. Episode four. Episode
0: four. Uh-huh. Uh Dreaming Silver and the Inheritor Hadian. Yes. Uh How do we feel about this one? Uh a little conflicted in a in a weird way. Like okay. I'm a, I'm a little unsatisfied with Hedian but I'm not sure what I would change, you know? Like I, I know what I would change for Anais if I went back to her, but I don't really know what me what, what should be different about Hedian for me to be more uh into into them, I guess. For sure. I guess it's maybe because they're a character that is kind of working on this very grand scale of kind of like world destruction and and rebirth and doesn't really have a lot of interiority. And I think I'm someone who really kind of like prizes an interiority of a character that I can really think about and just kind of like turn over.
1: For sure. Um, Yeah, I, I feel more satisfied with Dreaming Silver. And I think a big part of that is because like, it is such a character that's like grounded in deceptive interiority Um, where like, you Mm -hmm. know, the external stakes for this character are this sense of like, you know, world ending, like you mentioned, but like the, the core behind that character is that like, it's not doing that because of like, you know, a JRPG villain ideology of like, you know, the world must be pure and we must, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Mm -hmm. But because of this, like, Really, just like sad and vulnerable interiority that you know the the kind of like solution to the campaign is almost certainly uh, at least to some level to like connect with this this being in a way that you know uh, gets them to like reconsider uh, what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, and I, I I definitely see how like if you don't have both of those at the same time. Uh, in, like, equal measure, then it can feel pretty, like, like, there's something missing there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, As far as, like, the system discussion, um, that's one that, like, I feel a little unsatisfied with my kind of contribution to. Um, I do feel like, you know, it's like, oh, did I actually just, like, spend too much time harping about, like, the orcs and whatnot? Um, I don't think that those are necessarily, like, invalid points, but I think especially like comparing this to the other like PPTAs that we did like I think this is one that does a lot of really cool stuff with the um kind of like the framework and <laughs> I had a lot of fun I'll, I'll say building the character of uh Dreaming Silver because like there's very little like actual hard mechanics involved in there and it's just a lot mm-hmm. of prompts and it's a lot of like very good and very compelling prompts that like push me to like uh, fill out the the details of this character and like what its aesthetics are and, you know, what its its vibe is in ways that like I probably would have like stopped short of otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of like really cool material that's in the game. Um, yeah, and I just want to get that I a
0: yeah. I remember when I was building my character or when I was building Hadean being really attracted to, I think it was called, I think the the like final playbook is called like the warlord or something mm-hmm. like that because it just had these really compelling like uh, abilities that phrase things in such like commanding absolute terms. Like I'm pretty sure Hadean has one that is like, I think Hadean has one ability that's like, hold on, let me go. Let me just go find this. Um, maybe I didn't take it. Damn. Oh wait, no. Th- there's one that's just like when you when you try to fight a like when you try to overcome the harm that a they speci- it specifically says like a group gang or army would deal to you. You always get a plus ten. Mm. This is just such a powerful life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, i'm so fucking strong like i i can fight an army and that's really
1: cool yeah that rules yeah um yeah i think that we we got a lot of like cool stuff out of that um episode mm-hmm. but you know I, I could definitely sympathize with your perspective but just being like man i it more
0: yeah a little conflicted
1: yeah yeah um episode episode five Okay, so this is one where we were harshest to the system. Yeah, this is another left tabletop episode. It's it's a left tabletop episode, and it's also a um nineties point by crunch episode, and I hate both of those so much. <laughs> <fun. laughs> it's like, oh cool, we put yeah. all of my little like hobby horses that I get annoyed at in one episode. Um Yeah, yeah. I I I was talking about how like, you know, in Lancer there's a lot of like complexity with the builds but it does boil down to like relatively simple play patterns um i think mm-hmm. this definitely goes too far in the simple play patterns direction where it's like yeah building a character is an exercise in like finding a million different sources of like okay it says here that i get in this type of character creation i give a plus 5 to this and a plus 2 to this and now i can get also a plus 1 to this but only if i forego this plus 3 to- and so forth right It's the most Mm -hmm. fiddly bullshit ever, and it just fundamentally boils down to, like, you're making flat rolls. Um, I hate that kind of gameplay. I hate that kind of, like, crunch that doesn't add up to anything. Um, I think a a good way to divide it, honestly, is a sense that, like, we talked about the builds in Lancer feeling like they added up to something. with Like, your really cool, like, hit-and-run skirmishing knights who alternates Mm -hmm. between, like, gunslinging and stabbing. And then my, like, uh, battlefield control via Hungry Hungry Hippos, where it's all about just, like, pulling enemies in and then, like, making it impossible for them to ever get away from you. Those are, like, cool Mm -hmm. concepts that you can ladder up to. You can ladder up to so little with fucking Eclipse Phase.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing, is, like, when I think about Diego and, like, you know, when I think about the difference between, like, Diego and Maya... Like, Maya's abilities, you know, they give a good picture of her and what she's going to be doing in this game, whereas Diego just has a bunch of, like, numbers that just dictate how well he how well he does at these general things yeah whereas they don't they don't kind of add a character you know the fact that maya is piloting the black knight like says something about her in the way that like diego being good at
1: shooting things just like doesn't
0: you know yeah
1: um it's yeah it's a it's a pretty bad system and of course this was another entry into our uh against left tabletop series um, we did receive a message um, after the episode was released basically kind of like providing a bit of context for why there was that one like particular uh note about like hey if you're nazis don't play this it's not for you um that we made fun of on the episode and like you know i don't think we're necessarily wrong to like make fun of that but apparently you know there was like a serious issue where like a lot of Nazis were gravitating towards this game in a way that, like, the the authors really felt like, no, this is awful, like, we don't want this. And so they were, like, trying, basically, to, like, explicitly tell them to fuck off. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can sympathize with that. Um, It certainly doesn't feel like an easy situation to respond to. And, like, even if I say, like, well, I'm not sure that that was the best, like, way to achieve that goal, I also understand that, like in a situation like that, it's going to be pretty stressful to be like, oh shit, they're wired. They're all these Nazis. And you're maybe not going to like come up with the best way to respond to it in a moment. So Mm -hmm. uh, slightly less harsh on that front. Yeah. I agree. Um, How about the characters here though?
0: Um, Yeah. I don't know. Diego has a, uh, he's just a guy. (laughs) I <laughs>
1: think he's an interesting he's, guy,
0: yeah, I think he's a little interesting, but he's the most like just a guy character on here, you know, yeah,
1: for sure, just just a guy with like very practical desires and like mm-hmm. you know, I remember discussing an interiority of his like on the episode, but it's not like a super kind of like complicated and intricate one, mm-hmm. This is another one where we really didn't do a lot of, like, pre-episode communication.
0: Because, mm-hmm. um, like, the yeah,
1: conceit involved them kind of, like, meeting up during a failed mission.
0: hmm Yeah. And I liked that concept. Um, but I think I would, sti- I would point to this episode as one of the ones that's, like, I feel better about the episodes when we do have a lot of, like, pre-recording collaboration.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um Yeah. Yeah, and, like, this is one where I, I I enjoyed a lot about my character, but, like, again, I do feel like, damn, I wish that there was, like, more of a direct interface between, like, what she was doing and what Diego was doing. Um, mm-hmm. or, no, sorry. the uh, Yeah, the gender situation on this one is uh, uh, complicated, especially given mm-hmm. that I chose a gender-neutral name for the character. But it was, in fact, a male AI that was piloting uh the body of a comatose woman mm-hmm. um so yeah he had like some interesting stuff in his backstory that like i feel happy with i feel proud of but like i think that there are definitely episodes where i feel like damn i really like this character that i made but i wish that like they interacted with anything that olivia's character was doing in a way that was like felt more substantial so mm-hmm. you know uh again uh intense collaboration before the episode airs, it's a new wave of the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Um alright. Episode five. Six. Six? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay, episode six. Yeah. This was I still have I still have so many thoughts about like Arthuriana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's cause, just because I still, I, I'm still reading The Once and Future King, which was the big inspiration for, for me making uh Kay. um, And I've passed the point of that book where Kay is, like, at all a character. So mostly my thoughts are about Lancelot. For sure. But, like, man, a sad man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I thought that these two we also like deliberately didn't do prep because, again, like with Mm -hmm. Fate, it's all about like this moment where like you basically dip into the the sacred gachapon and pull out a servant um, and you never know who you're going to get unless you do Mm -hmm. know. But sometimes that fucks up. Uh, Mm -hmm. But like I, I think that this one, at least from my perspective, like worked out better in that regard. I really liked the dynamic yeah. that the two of them had, um, and it felt like there. It, it felt like it was like the relationship between them was like a primary focus in a way that it sometimes doesn't when we go off and do our separate planning. Um, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I I think that these would definitely be a fun pair to play. Uh, mm. Probably not as fun to play as like our actual. A uh, pair of characters that the two of us played in a run of this <laughs> which, game system, which was one of those, which was one of those ones that we extremely
0: collaborated on. So
1: yeah, and I, we're still sad about that shit to this day.
0: I'm still sad about that.
1: I am. They went to the
0: fucking zoo.
1: I am literally crying as we speak about what happened to those two. <sighs> anyway, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was a fun discussion. Um, yeah, and
0: Kay and Remy are fun. Like. Y- it's fun to have a dirtbag Butch and her like
1: incredibly grumpy uncle slash grandpa. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's very fun to like have a character that like eating shit is inherently part of her modus operandi because like as somebody who like you know theoretically likes fail forward stuff and understands that that's good game design and much prefers games to have it to ones that don't. Like I still get like so anxious a lot of times about like failing roles and whatnot um Mm -hmm. but i think that like that is a function of like oh but my character is supposed to be good at this one thing so i don't necessarily mind if they fuck up at like things that are outside of that wheelhouse but like ooh, i'm gonna feel embarrassed somehow if i you know roll poorly on something that my character is supposed to have as like a um a strength with this character, it, it just feels like a beautiful surrender to the idea of eating shit constantly and somehow coming ahead from it. Yeah. Um yeah, anything else you got to say about episode six? No, not really. Alright. Uh that brings us into episode seven, Shout of the Demon Lord. Uh, Fucking what, shadow of the what are the Lord? worst systems that we've covered, frankly. Uh, more like shadow of the shit, Lord. No, that's what would be in the game because they're all about like, yo, you heard a cum demon, you heard a shit demon, you heard a dick demon. That uh, that one uh, Tumblr post
0: about the X Files, where uh, <laughs> yes. Mulder says, "You ever heard of the knife? Night- you ever heard of the cum
1: demon?" <laughs> yeah i i think that like th- this this should have been a in to dark hack like mm-hmm. i think the thing that like pisses me off about the system most thinking back to it is this idea that's like in some of the like you know setting flavor or the like you know how to play this game flavor that's about how like ooh sometimes you're going to encounter challenges that are too difficult to face head-on and you'll have to think about how you can you know uh, uh cleverly at smarties and it's like okay then why is 95% of the rules about like combat mechanics and like 4% of or 5% is like you know shit that's ported over from D&D for no reason like overland travel speeds and carrying capacities um yeah like i remember i remember a point of talking about this game where you started to
0: explain to me like the way that like the spell resistance of monsters starts to so dramatically like outstrip anything a magical character
1: is even capable of. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what the, f- how do you publish this? Yeah. It, it feels like a really embarrassing thing. Um, it's, it's so blatantly like one of those things where it's just trying to be a first step away from DD. and and like, you know, I understand that's going to be useful for some people. Um, I kind of have no use for it, though. Like, I've already bought into the idea that D&D is not a structure worth emulating. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, if if the whole idea is that, like, this is a, a world where demons and shit are so fucking powerful that you're not just going to be able to, like, beast them with your combat build every time, then why aren't there mechanics about, like, you know, preparation and subterfuge and, like, resource management and all that? Like, why is this mm-hmm. not a situation where it's like, okay, I make my you know, uh, uh, whatever, downtime phase, preparation phase, whatever you you mentioned Aeneas specializes in, Uh, I make that type of role to, you know, figure out, like, uh, occult rituals that can help us, like, bind and weaken the demons in advance. Um, Like, it feels like that could be a cool system, basically, that, like, you are demon hunters and demons are so overwhelmingly powerful that, like, 80% of the battle against them is, like meticulously preparing in ways that make it even possible to win um mm-hmm. that that would be a fun game this on the other hand it is just D, but like with a lot of really just like boringly juvenile shit to make it darker mm-hmm. that being said i still have a lot of affection for noel oh i fucking love our characters in this one we made <laughs> full metal alchemist we made, we made full,
0: we made like dark-sided girl full metal alchemist.
1: That's right. Um, uh, yeah. Noelle you, has you a were gun. The Ed, and I was the L.
0: Noel is like Christian Edward Elric. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, she has oh. a gun, and she can fire that, she just
1: fires that gun extremely I love that she fires the gun extremely. I I love that like you just like clutch together this build that like my build was very straightforward in that it was like a base class and then like a level two class that clearly is designed to stem from that level one class and then a level three mm-hmm. class that clearly stems from that level two class. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas yours was just like no, I'm going to pick every little bit that I can in here that allows me to gun more. Yeah, I'm very fond of of this build. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it was incredibly fun to to conceive of. Which like, you know, yeah. again, we're talking shit about the the system and the setting a whole lot, but like there's still fun character creation stuff in there. Um I can't imagine that it's like super fun to play after you've created it. Um which like kind of comports with my experiences of D&D 5th edition at this point. But mm. it's fun to make this kind of shit. All right. Episode 8. This is the big one. This is... This is maybe the most on our bullshit. This is... Yeah. This is the one where, like... You mentioned us spending, like, weeks beforehand talking with the characters. I don't think it was, like, literally weeks on any of them except for this one. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um. Thinking back on it, I think it's funny how much the system of this episode sucks versus how much we did with these characters. Um, This is also one of the episodes. that's basically just a short story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's very little pretense that these are two RPG characters are going to be in an RPG campaign together. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you know, I, I think that basically what started out as, like, us talking to each other very closely before the episode aired um, for purposes of basically making sure that we weren't going to be, like, you know, doing anything that really rubbed the other the wrong way, that wasn't going to be, like, violating anybody's boundaries. Um, Because this is, like, probably our darkest episode, probably our episode featuring, like, the characters that do the worst things to each other and have the least healthy relationship with each other. Um like it definitely feels like um what started as you know just kind of like checking in to make sure that we weren't going to be doing any harm um very much evolved into like oh we're just telling a short story here we're we're just like talking about these two characters and like the long arcs that they have with each other um and you know honestly like I really, really liked this episode. I really liked recording it. I really liked preparing for it. Um, It was just an absolutely fun time that, again, had very little to do with the system and very little to do with the concept of a tabletop role-playing game to begin with.
0: Yeah, I just... Yeah, I just think this is one of the episodes where, like, we just did really good fictionally. And I think, ultimately, the ultimately you know the podcast has this tabletop shell but ultimately it is about kind of the collaborative writing um Mm -hmm. and so you know there's no episode where I feel like well the characters aren't that good but we really nailed the tabletop criticism part (laughs) you know the the one it's really a character focused podcast and so when the characters are good you know the episode feels good yeah absolutely
1: um And like, I I think what it would have fundamentally like boils down to is that like, you know, a lot of what we get out of these tabletop systems is as expressions of character. We were talking about how like the the mechanical crunch of something like Lancer is fun in the way that like the crunch of something like Eclipse Phase isn't, because mm. it helps you express something about the character. It tells you who Maya and Ivy are that they have these very specific builds. Um, mm. Similarly, like. I was talking about how much fun I had with like the prompts that the system gives you in um, fellowship uh, because they allow me to kind of just like push myself and come up with all these cool little details for dreaming silver. Mm -hmm. Um, And in this one, as it turns out, we kind of just didn't need the system. We needed like the concept of like modern day vampires and like, you know, some of the specific names uh, of like, factions and bloodlines and all that they probably helped but like Mm -hmm. not that much we could have this could be extremely easily just ported out of the uh vampire the requiem setting and system
0: yeah and i think we did a really good job just writing that
1: so it's a good episode fuck yeah it is um i love those two i think they're great
0: Mm -hmm.
1: okay star wars it's star wars baby star wars baby we're in, a, um, we're in a star zone
0: how did i just create like how did i just create like an angsty straight
1: leading man for the star wars episode <laughs> yeah. like what what happened there it was so cool that you did that i if i if i recall that was something that we kind of like backed into on the recording proper oh that right? was extremely yeah um
0: naru naru was a naru was a very second rider character who became the primary rider somehow in the Mm, recording yeah yeah, i feel that um Um, he has an evil girlfriend (laughs) sometimes you have an evil girlfriend Hmm? sometimes you have an evil girlfriend yeah sometimes you have to go rescue your evil girlfriend from evil prison
1: where she became evil That's what fucking sucks about evil prison is that it makes you evil.
0: Yeah, I hate that. Like regular prison's bad enough, but okay. If if you're listening
1: to this and you support evil prison, then just log off. We don't want your listenership.
0: (laughs) uh, If you support evil prison,
1: we're coming for you. Yeah, that's childish. Grow up. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. As far as this like actual episode, um, so this is kind of like notably the first time that we had a guest on to design a system that they themselves didn't design mm-hmm. um and i think that like you know if i'm being perfectly frank it kind of like reveals like the limitations of that like Nora is a great guest Nora is a great person to talk to all uh, right she's super fun i like the character she made no complaints there but i think that like if you're having a guest on not for purposes of being like so what went into these decisions with this game system you designed then it does just kind of become something that like stretches out the podcast um in a way that like i'm feeling like "Mm, we probably don't need to do that season two
0: yeah i feel like we already
1: go on really long um we go on so fucking long you you said that like oh we're gonna wrap this episode up like nice and short uh because it's just like a little recap and it's like no no no, somehow we'll find a way to make it three hours we're not gonna. God, if we go to three hours, I'm ending the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and we'll we'll again somehow take thirty minutes to announce that we're ending it.
0: <laughs> uh I think what could be interesting, maybe it could be a fun change of pace if one of us has like a really busy month to like have a guest on to replace one of us for a month and sure. like, give the other a break. Yeah, but yeah. but I feel like the, because I do feel like you really have to be able to collaborate, and it's harder to collaborate with three people. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, but no offense to Nora.
1: No, not at all. I love the little Star
0: Wars guy, and I had fun recording the episode.
1: Shout out to Nora's gay little doctor. Shout out to Nora's gay little doctor. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then as far as like system stuff, uh, I think that like this is one of the ones that like pissed me off the most when I first looked at it, just based on like what the fuck do all these symbols mean? I
0: talk mm-hmm. normally,
1: but I think that like it did win me over over time. Um, yeah. it did turn into something where it's was just like, oh, okay, I now see how fun it can be to like have a thing where I can get three of this kind of die and also four of this kind of die and then watch out. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm all for this system. Um, Obviously, we can't tell like how fun it would actually be in play, but like I think that the the fundamental conceit of like building these combo dice pools using like different effects that you have um, is something that's cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. we on to episode ten. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 get a move on. Let's um, talk episode ten. Heart. Uh This was Heart, the city beneath. Uh, featuring the characters Eve and Sully. Mm-hmm. So here's what's interesting about this one. Mm-hmm. Very little interaction between these two characters, honestly. Um, yeah. yeah. There's like some good, basically, opportunities for it. But mm-hmm. it's really kind of just like the two of us telling two separate stories. And yeah. I think that out of the times that we did that, they're probably the two best separate stories we've told on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um like the stuff that's going on with Sully, fantastic, love it. It's so cool. Stuff that's mm-hmm. going on with Eve, fantastic, if I may say so myself. That girl's but so dark side. She's so dark side. <laughs> Duh, she's so <laughs> mentally ill. It's good. Um, but it it does kind of I think like reveal basically that like even when we tell two really really good separate stories, that it feels like there's a little bit missing, and that like I long for being on our bullshit together instead of being on our separate bullshits adjacent to each other.
0: Yeah. I have a lot of affection for like Sully's deal, but I do wish that there had been more
1: interaction between her and Eve. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I think that like, this is one fundamentally where there could be a productive campaign made Mm -hmm. out of it. in that like both of them are pursuing their own individual shit and they're like incredibly huge baggage Um, And the two of them intersect with like this sort of, you know, webs of like, I know your secret, but I know that, you know, my secret and and so forth. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that it could be fun. But like, it's definitely not a situation where we wrote a short story. And it's like, this is fundamentally a podcast about writing short stories.
0: Yeah, I think like it's it's definitely something where we could find something really satisfying in play, but in the episode we I think we did fall a little short. As much affection as I have for the
1: characters separately. Mm-hmm. Um you know where we didn't fall short. <laughs> you know where we fucking killed it. Uh we're so good
0: at teens. <laughs> we are. Our teen episodes are all bangers. Fuck yeah. Um <laughs> <sighs> Okay, um, masks, Mary
1: and Riley. Yeah. I, I, extremely like B-minus system. Um yeah. extremely like this is fine. Nothing about it pisses me off. Um it it, it it's just kind of their type system. But mm-hmm. as far as the story that we like built with the two of them. I think that this is the one where like we we had a lot predetermined basically going into the episode but a mm-hmm. we had like the moment of reveal because you didn't know like what riley's doom was specifically before the episode right yeah not at all so that shit all got to resolve on the episode and then mm-hmm. like we we actually like ended up i think this is the one where he probably told the most of the story live on air yeah
0: um, and and had the most like the most of that story it was also the episode where most of that story was pure improv like the part where married like absorbs an entire other space teen into herself was me just like what if i did
1: this and i really like the results of that it's definitely not what i was expecting going in but it's mm-hmm. it's a beautiful exercise and just being like fuck yeah that sort of story is going now Mm -hmm. Um, Which is honestly, you know, it's what the spirit of what tabletop role-playing is all about. Sometimes someone at the table just has a fucking sick idea that you did not expect at all. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love these two so much. They're so fun. Um, Again, probably not the best structure for an actual tabletop campaign, because it's like, well, these two are clearly the main characters, and you get to sign up to be their side characters. Are you excited for that? But as a story about two dumbass teens and the love between them, uh, we love it. We love to see it. I had so much mm-hmm. fun with this episode.
0: Yeah, um,
1: yeah. The, this episode was really good. Um, yeah, I was a, I was a big fan of it. Yep. And then uh, our lowest energy, least caring episode of all time.
0: Uh, I uh, I blame. You may
1: have.
0: Yeah. What do you mean? I blame the si- I blame the system here. Like yes. Okay, I just I, think I just think Night's Black Agents is like such it sucks a, so fucking much. It's such a good concept and it makes it all the worse that it just like fucks it, you know? Like the fact that the fact that like to go to another vampire game. The fact that like Vampire the Requiem is not a great system. It's like and yeah, whatever. Like there's other vampire games, but specifically yeah. the idea that like some cia ass motherfuckers are gonna run into a a vampire conspiracy and have to like you know take it down before it takes them out is just such a good concept and i'm so mad that like it's so frustrating when like something stumbles on just a a concept that lights your brain up and then it's just like just fumbles it just drops it
1: um i think basically that like you know we we talked earlier about like how important it is for a to basically set a tone Mm-hmm. And one thing that Vampire the Requiem does well, even if it is like pretty boring in a lot of ways, is that it's good at specifying a tone. It's good mm-hmm. at specifying like what vampires are and what kind of world they inhabit and what kind of tone that world has. Um, and then from there, you can go and have like your big emotional melodramas that are kind of like vaguely connected to the actual setting, but that are still like grounded in that tone. Night's Black mm-hmm. Agent says. Here's five separate tone modules, and you could choose which one you want. And what that fundamentally means is that, like, there's nothing fucking there. It's so. I I hate the modular shit so much. I hate the idea that it can't commit to anything. I hate the idea that it's trying to be everything for everyone in a way that, like, makes it really annoying to actually figure out what this game is about and, like, what to bring to it. Um, Yeah. It's just a level of investment that is not worth it
0: yeah i i don't i don't want to just like redo everything we said on the episode about that system already but like yeah it's it's harsh and it's poorly designed and that then filters down to the characters um yeah because it just it's like i think i think of it similar to eclipse phase where like because it is like a a, a vague i'm really i've really come out against point by systems uh doing this them, uh yeah doing this podcast you've converted me to this but it just makes it so difficult to like characterize your your guy through the mechanics of the game like it's just it's just making numbers go up and that's nothing okay okay
1: don't besmirch numbers going up please okay. look i'm literally in the background right now playing a game called numbers go up (laughs) <laughs> I mean,
0: right next to me, you can turn. Uh, you can like turn and see my switch where I have dungeon encounters installed. So like, look, I like my fair yeah. share of numbers going up, but like, but they not, don't have any not,
1: impact on character. No, no, no. It's it's not a character exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like you know, I I still had a fun time on that episode just because like it was a very loose riff fest because we were all mm-hmm. desperate to avoid talking about like. The actual characters in the setting and the system. Mm-hmm. Um, but Maybe like
0: the episode where we're personally the meanest to the creators of the game.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> like, that's always good. Yeah. I don't even um, think we razz the Lancer guys this hard. No, no. Because, you know, I I, I, I can't actually raz the Lancer guys too hard. Because, like, the guy who is, I think, the... I believe that it's, like, one of them is the primary writer and one of them is the primary, like, game designer... And, like, my locked Twitter account has a profile pic from the writer's uh, webcomic. So, like, you know, I have my own mixed feelings on that webcomic. But, like, clearly I have some affection for, like, some of the guy's ideas um, that prevented me from being, like, super cruel. Uh, with this, like, random, you know, Bush-era dad, I can be as cruel as I want to be. Um, That's all of our season one characters i think that if i had to pick a literal favorite pair it's probably riley and mine, mary. yeah mine would also be <laughs> riley and mary fuck yeah and if i had to pick one of these that i would most be interested in as an actual campaign it mm-hmm. would be ash and ryan and of course jamie's there yeah very similar
0: uh very similar thoughts on it overall Mm -hmm. um which i guess makes sense given that this uh this is a podcast based on close collaboration that's right okay uh would you like to collaborate with me on some fun little exercises i i would love to make some stupid ass tier lists
1: fuck yeah okay so (laughs) uh for those of you who are unaware uh in the audience it's possible to make tier lists that aren't just like s a b c d f uh mm-hmm. but are instead very silly and goofy so we've prepared yeah. three of these uh one of which i made one of which olivia made and one of which our uh dear friend declan made shout out to declan mm-hmm. um of ways the poster wasted... of all time the poster of all time um These are basically ways to just like classify fictional characters Um, and I've actually used the one that I made before for Mm. like characters in like a long term campaign of mine and Mm. also for like the works of Damon Lindelof. So (laughs) it's very fun to do these um, and it, it really like reveals a lot about who goes where
0: yeah so Uh, our first our
1: first tier list is concerning the snyder
0: cut and to be clear it it was it was written pre-confirmation and development
1: of the snyder cut um okay listen listen i am here to tell you that there's no such thing as a snyder cut to this day there's a film called Zack snyder's justice league which is separate from the snyder cut because that actually had to be made after hbo or sorry warner brothers commissioned Zack snyder to do so The conspiracy theory was always that, like, there was basically a finished cut lying around that they could release, but they Mm. weren't doing so out of spite. So, this is still technically valid, but, like, yeah, we are kind of like placing this in a world, you know, before it was confirmed that Zack Snyder's Justice League was coming out. Um, Also, like, this doesn't necessarily literally mean their, like, specific artistic taste, although, like, that definitely factors in. It's more about, like, orienting them in retrospect to, like, very low-stakes conspiracy theories. hmm Yeah. So I here's how I say we do
0: this. We read off all the yeah. categories, and then we just yes. go down the list, and you assign your character to a, to a category, I assign my character to a category, and we do, like, one or two sentences about our reasoning. Yeah, uh-huh. let's do it. Okay. So the categories for this one are, number one, Dislikes the theatrical cut of Justice League. Thinks the Snyder cut would be as bad or worse. Tier two is likes the theatrical cut and sees no reason for a Snyder cut. Tier three is wants the Snyder cut and believes it is real. Tier four is wants the Snyder cut but does not believe it's real. E. Uh, tier five is believes comic book films are for children. Uh tier six is believes art is for children (laughs) i love that one so much (laughs) tier seven is incorrectly believes they have seen the snyder cut (laughs) and the final tier is correctly believes they have seen the snyder cut
1: all right yeah so those are our tiers um i'll go first Mm -hmm. uh we've got harrow who wants the snyder cut and believes it's real for sure um, she okay. is somebody who is very easily manipulated, uh, with the prospect of like things being not as banal and awful as she thinks they are. Uh, mm-hmm. so I think if you dangle the Snyder cut in front of her, she would be like, oh, I will, I will do various crimes for you. If you give me that Snyder cut, <laughs>
0: uh, whereas I think, I think Anais correctly believes that she has seen the Snyder cut, uh, the Snyder no, cut, of- how'd she get her hands on it? She's a smuggler by trade.
1: Mm, I see. She,
0: she has connections. Uh, she has networks. Um, she she if the Snyder Cut is real and it is real, she can get it and she's seen it and she thought it was mid. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Episode Ivy too. Ivy a hundred percent believes art is for children, mm-hmm. but in a rare way. Uh usually mm. that's just in a purely dismissive way, uh, when somebody is entered into this tier. Ivy mm-hmm. believes that in a way where it's like she believes that art is a realm that belongs to like, you know, her her little siblings that she got out of the super soldier business. Uh-huh. Um but she basically believes that like, oh yeah, there's this like protected class of like innocent fools who get to enjoy art and I'm not one of them.
0: Mm. That's very funny, because I think Maya believes comic book films specifically are for children. I love those two. They have such great dynamic. <laughs> um, Maya's Maya's like, come the fuck on. I'm I'm twenty five and I might die any day. I'm not fucking watching the Justice League. Fuck you.
1: Okay. Ash incorrectly believes she has seen the Snyder Cut. Um she is absolutely you know, obviously she exists in what, like two thousand two? So the timing doesn't add up, but like, yeah, she she absolutely is the sort to like be on these like file sharing sites that are not nearly as like legitimate as the ones that uh, someone like Aeneas is on. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has been swindled into watching things that are not actually the Snyder Cut multiple times. <sighs>
0: uh, whereas Ryan, um, I think Ryan wants a Snyder Cut and he wants to believe it's real. You know, kind of similar to Harrow. He is a very idealistic kid. Um, And he, I think he, you know, I think he likes the, uh, I think he likes the the theatrical cut. Because Ryan's the kind of guy to see every comic book movie and just kind of like it. So if you're telling him there's a whole
1: other comic book movie out there, he wants to see it. I feel that. Um, Let's talk Dreaming Silver for a second. Who wants a Snyder Cut but does not believe it's real. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that like the Snyder cut basically here is like standing in for like hope for humanity, (laughs) 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 which is, it's kind of what you have to do with these tier lists. Um, I think that like, it definitely believes that like there is a better world in which something like a Snyder cut would have been possible, but like that doesn't exist anymore. And thus the world must be brought to a close. (laughs) Um, Dian disliked the theatrical cut. And thinks that the
0: Snyder cut would be as bad or worse.
1: Very fair.
0: <laughs> just a grump. Yeah, just a, just a grump who's got
1: better shit to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Casey likes the theatrical cut and sees no reason for a Snyder cut because uh, I think he he genuinely likes whatever is put in front of him and can ha- make like a good time out of it. Uh, he's a very upbeat person. Uh, you know, in part because he's, like, literally an AI designed to be, like, helpful and cheerful.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think Diego wants a Snyder Cut, but doesn't believe it's real. He's a very practical, a very realist guy. I think he thinks that if the Snyder Cut was real,
1: they would just release it already. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think that, uh... Remy 100% believes that comic book ch- uh, films are for children uh, but believes that like films about like cool troops like Mark Wahlberg operator movies are not for children uh, and cowboy <laughs> movies are also not for children so like if you have a cool operator movie taking place like in the American Southwest then that is like doubly for cool adults such as herself. Gotcha um
0: I think Kay incorrectly believes that he has seen the Snyder Cut because he doesn't quite understand the concept of a movie.
1: <laughs> oh, that rules. <laughs> he I love that.
0: They watched they watched uh they watched the Justice League cartoon, and he thinks <laughs> that is the Snyder Cut.
1: I love it. Okay, so you know how um Devin, the Devil Engine, uh mm-hmm. every time she like uses her power, she like goes into this like you know, anti-Christ type <laughs> reverie where she's like screaming, you will not be saved in like the dark speech. Uh, while right. that's happening, she is seeing the Snyder cut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so she's not correctly believes they have seen the Snyder cut tier. Okay. Noelle, you know,
0: Noelle is a girl who's kind of caught between, you know, the idealistic upbringing of her youth and, you know, the harsh reality that she is beginning to experience of living in the world as an adult and she doesn't want to believe this but she feels like she has to believe that comic book films are for children
1: (laughs) yeah uh okay wes um ooh wes absolutely believes that art is for children in specifically a really self-hating way (laughs) (laughs) like wes make music yeah, exactly Wes, Wes is a musician who believes that art Is for children Because <laughs> uh, he, he makes Really healthy decisions
0: uh, I think Roisin Dislikes the theatrical cut And thinks the Snyder cut would be as bad or worse I think Roisin is just a bitch Every time she goes and sees a movie I think she's one of the like I think like present day Roisin Is one of those people Who will hate something to make you feel bad Because you like it
1: yeah yeah yeah. uh we we love girls like that we love what they're (laughs) doing for the culture um okay jazzy londo from star wars um see there's two which i feel like are kind of true in that i think he likes the uh theatrical cut and sees no reason for a snyder cut because he's a very stupid bro Mm -hmm. um and so i could again imagine him just liking everything that's in front of him like you know when I say he likes it, he probably likes it like one tenth as much as he likes other extremely mid com- uh, comic book movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also it's possible that he's seen snippets of the Snyder Cut through his prophetic visions, but probably not <laughs> enough. So I'm going to say him in the likes of the theatrical cut here.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think Naru, supr- maybe surprisingly, given that he's so sur- surly, but he wants a Snyder Cut and believes it's real. Um, both Ooh, because
1: Does he want to watch it with his dark girlfriend?
0: Yes, both because he wants to watch it with his dark girlfriend and he is ultimately like a hopeful creature, but also because he thinks that the Snyder cut is definitely like darker and more mature than the slop that uh Joss Whedon made and it yeah. would just be way cooler. Naru is basically like <laughs> what if a Snyder bro was real? <laughs>
1: I love that phrasing Okay Um, Eve Uh, Eve is 100% convinced that she has seen the Snyder Cut With her good pal Emery uh, But she does not remember which of the people That she believes named Emery She has seen the Snyder Cut with Uh, In either case she's wrong Uh, She has not seen the Snyder Cut with And Emery is not real Um, Sully uh,
0: Terminally depressed woman Wants the Snyder Cut but doesn't believe it's real Hope
1: is gone in this world Okay, Riley, this this one's interesting because he's next to our superheroes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> How do they feel about this whole situation? Um, I think that Riley... I'm going to go ahead and say that Riley uh, dislikes the theatrical cut and thinks that the Snyder Cut would be just as bad or worse. I don't think it's her vibe at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she... Gets pretty resentful of the ideas of like, if if she hears someone say that like superhero stories like should be more mature and like handle more adult and dark themes, I think she like very reflexively like flinches against it, uh, mm-hmm. in part because of her own fucked situation.
0: Hmm. Um. I think Mary believes comic book films are for children.
1: Yeah, she's right. <laughs> she's um, the
0: superhero who's like superheroes. That's some baby shit. Yeah, grow up.
1: <laughs> grow up. <laughs> Get educated. You're a superhero, grow up. <laughs> By which he <laughs> means retire from the superhero life once you hit adulthood. <laughs> Alright, and then uh, last character from the extremely thin Knights uh, uh, Black Agents episode, Dr. Merrick. I think she wants a Snyder Cut but does not believe it's real. Because kind of her whole deal was like being super disappointed that none of the supernatural shit around her is as cool as she wants it to be.
0: Mm-hmm. so
1: i think she's like pining for something that could like satisfy you know what she wants but you know kind of just assumes that that's never going to happen mm-hmm. i think i think kind of similar to anias i think karina correctly believes
0: that she has seen the snyder cut she has those back okay. channels
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah.
0: she didn't um, like it but she's seen it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i love that there's no distinction among the like ones where they've seen it between whether they liked it or not <laughs> yeah um, um fuck all yeah. right let's read this one more time
0: um yes just for everybody everybody playing at home and we'll probably post these on twitter too mm-hmm. dislikes this the theatrical cut thinks the snyder cut will be bad or worse that is hadian rasheen and riley uh people who like the theatrical cut and see no reason for a snyder cut are casey and jazzy uh people who want the snyder cut and believe it's real are harrow ryan and naru People who want the Snyder Cut but do not believe it's real (laughs) include Dreaming Silver, Diego, Sully, and Dr. Merrick. Uh, People who believe comic book films are for children. Uh, Maya, Remy, Noelle, and Mary. I think it's very funny that like three-fourths of this category are teens.
1: Yeah, I also like that that's our our tied for our most populated category. (laughs) Uh, Believes art is for children
0: include Ivy and Wes, uh, which is funny it's two Hannah characters yeah uh incorrectly believes they have seen the snyder cut ash Ryder, k and eve and then correctly believes they have seen the snyder cut anias devon and karina all right
1: fantastic all right right. Our,
0: our next tier list is uh what did we call this one in general it was like uh do not steal characters and um and their reactions to you asking them to help you out of a bad date.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like you're you're on a bad date at a restaurant, and you text your friend to be like, "You need to get me out of this. It's going awful."
0: Mm-hmm. And how they respond. Uh, the categories are: number one, calls with a fake and convincing emergency; number two, shows up to the restaurant and pretends to be your jealous ex; number three, shows up to the restaurant and creates a distraction. Number four, shows up to the restaurant and incapacitates your bad date. Uh, Number five, uh, they won't help you out because they're incompetent. And number six, they won't help you out out of malice. And number seven, (laughs) they are your bad date. Yeah, there's some really good categories on this one. Well done. (laughs) All right. Uh, If I could go first. um, Yeah. I think Anais is probably the definition of the person who shows up to the restaurant and creates a distraction
1: oh yes 100 percent um a very loud one (laughs) um Hera won't help you out because she's incredibly incompetent at this matter (laughs) like i i think that she she theoretically could like it's like oh you know she does like really arch ghost stuff couldn't that be a distraction no she would fuck it up somehow if there's any social component to it at all then it's not going to work.
0: Yeah. The, the won't help you categories are not necessarily like they'll refuse to help you, but like they will be of no help. Yeah. Uh, Maya, uh, Maya definitely shows up and pretends to be your jealous ex. Um, and there's like a 50, 50 shot. She's taking you home afterwards. (laughs) Fuck off. Uh,
1: I love these bitches. Um, Ivy 100% calls with a fake and convincing emergency. Mm-hmm. Uh one that like you, you cuz like the whole thing about uh, Ivy is that like she is incredibly helpful and like gentle basically but like mm-hmm. in ways that are very cold and calculating. So I think that the the kind of like disturbing part of this is like you think about her excuse and you're like, "Oh, you had that ready." Like you you've you've had like a plan to do this. Yeah you did not have to think about the emergency mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you have go bags for this situation <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh-huh. so i think ryan also calls with a fake with a con- fake and, a fake and convincing emergency you know ryan's just a bit of a male feminist he understands that like women have it tough in the dating arena especially straight women and he's just always willing to help out if you need it 100% He's um, one who has it. He's he's another one who has the emergency in the bag ready to go. But because he's thought really hard about what he would do if somebody asked him to help out in this situation.
1: Yeah, he's he's really like, oh, I want to be a good ally. So I got to be prepared. <laughs> <sighs> what a fucking Boy Scout. All right. Uh, Ash, will not help you out because of malice. I think this was <laughs> one of the most straightforward ones of all time. Uh, she loves the idea that you're having a bad date. She is going to harvest that for her on later on. So she's <laughs> appreciative that you informed her of this, but she's not going to help you. Uh, okay. I think Hadean shows up to incapacitate your bad date
0: with, like, several soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> I think Hadian just shows up with, like, a medieval hit squad and takes your date out.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think that... Um, Hadean's best friend, Dreaming Silver, kind of does the same. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, it, it's kind of like... I think Dreaming Silver is showing up to the restaurant and intending to create a distraction. But just, like, has enough, like, you know, apocalyptic angelic power that it ends up incapacitating your date anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think Diego is gonna show up to the restaurant and pretend to be your ex... Um, and he's going to be like really scary too. It's going to take like a minute and a half to get the, to get your date to leave.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think that Casey is a hundred percent calling with a fake and convincing emergency. Um, and again, for a a third reason, right? Like first it's because like, you know, someone's that like kind of terrifyingly prepared. Then it's because someone wants to be a good ally um and then, in this case, uh it's because uh Casey is literally like built as like a personal assistant AI um, mm-hmm. and so probably has had to do this is probably the 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 person who has done this the most times out of all these characters mm-hmm, for sure uh Rider K won't help out because of
0: incompetence. um, the man does not understand like r- like modern day romantic cues, so if you ask him, he's just gonna be like just leave yeah <laughs> like i don't get this if you don't want to be on the date just leave doing the share zone post you, but in a very <laughs> nightly way just like just walk out like what's he gonna do
1: yeah um remy is showing up and pretending to be your jealous ex um and i i think that like it's very easy for her to just like inhabit this character of being just like a, a little shit heel ex lover of yours um <laughs> and i think she honestly like really enjoys it frankly yeah yeah like she is a lot of fun doing this yeah, um, yeah it definitely shows up like with the bolo tie regardless of whether or not that's <laughs> even close to the restaurant's dress code <laughs>
0: uh, i think noelle if you ask her is gonna over gonna want to help overthink it really hard, and in the end, show up to the restaurant create a distraction by running in and firing her gun in the
1: air. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We love that. We love that. Um, Won't help you. uh, Okay, so Devin. Devin Mm -hmm. is showing up and incapacitating your bad date, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Giving your date radiation poisoning. (laughs) not Uh, in a mean way it just happens yeah just that's just what happens when
0: you're around devin okay uh the first is your bad date gotta be rasheen
1: and uh guess who uh rasheen is dating and trying to get out of and also texting a friend for the same thing it's wes (laughs) (laughs) they're just both the bad dates yeah Uh... they're both doing this at the same time oh and they they probably call the same friend (laughs) uh um
0: uh, naru hmm i think naru is also your bad date (laughs) ooh interesting like his vibes are just way worse than you thought and i don't know if he necessarily
1: like means ill but it's just a it's just a bad experience for sure um jazzy is already at the restaurant creating a distraction <laughs> before you do the text because he had a vision of himself doing this last night uh he's so helpful yeah yeah and, and it's, it's it's in a way where it's like you kind of get mad at him because you're like okay but what if i didn't text you he's like yeah you were gonna oh you were gonna i know this stuff and you're like fuck you you're right fuck you
0: Exactly, you're right. But fuck you is how to respond to the character of Chelsea Londo. <laughs> um, won't help you out. Be uh, won't help you out because of malice. I think it's Sully. Um, unless just because Sully is like wrapped up in her own shit. Um, and I I don't know if that's necessarily malice, but just like she is so self-involved that like if you ask her for help with something, she's just gonna turn you down.
1: Yeah it's It's very much like you know why would you turn to me, yeah, like, are you no. really that low on options
0: i'm quite i'm um, I'm busy, sorry,
1: yeah, um, I think that Eve kind of like is mostly in the same situation, but like will kind of feel like a bit of a pang of guilt and like briefly try and not succeed at all
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I think Mary is going to call with the fake and convincing emergency just because she's like a little bit of a girl scout, you know, she tries to be surly. Um, but it ultimately, if you're in trouble, she's going to help you out.
1: Um, I think that Riley will. Okay. I'm going to tell you what she does. And you tell me whether this does or does not count as helping you out. (laughs) Um, She shows up to the restaurant and pretends to be your jealous ex and then immediately clarifies on social media the next day that she was not your jealous ex and she was just doing that for a friend. Uh mm-hmm. because like, you know, she's a public figure, right? And she's like, mm-hmm. ah, I guess I probably should like head off these rumors that, you know, I was dating this person. Does that would, count as helping you or not? I would say I would say no. That's incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Riley goes in the incompetence tier.
0: Uh and then finally for my characters, I think Karina shows up and creates a distraction in such a way that you're not even sure that she showed up at all. But mm. like oh, she yeah, just yeah. she just sets one of her assets in motion and then like something blows up in the kitchen and you all have to evacuate and you can just slip out,
1: you know? Yeah. Uh, Dr. Merrick definitely loves being the center of attention so she would show up and pretend to be your jealous ex. Um, <laughs> in ways that are like definitely like a little too predicated on like you don't have to sell the backstory of this Jealous X character so much. <laughs> like, there's just and, like, way too much how, exposition. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, the Jealous X being like, Ah, oh, I haven't been this angry at you since you interrupted my Olympic rowing practice. And it's just like, come on, you're you're guilty to lily a little bit here. Uh, okay, can you read out this final tier list? Yes. Uh, we have here Calls with a Fake and Convincing Emergency, uh, which is composed of Ivy, Ryan, Casey and Mary we've got shows up to the restaurant pretends to be your jealous ex featuring Maya Diego Remy and Dr. Merrick uh, we've got shows up to the restaurant and creates a distraction with Anais Noel Jazzy and Karina shows up to the restaurant and incapacitates your bad date has Hadean dreaming silver and Devon. won't help you out because of incompetence has <laughs> Harrow Ryder K uh, Eve and Riley won't help you out because of malice. Has Ash and Sully. And Is Your Bad Date is Roshid <laughs> and Wes, again, dating each other. And Naru. <laughs> uh, Alright, our
0: final tier list. Fuck yeah, last one. Our final tier list is sorting the characters based on... I'm trying to remember this correctly. Based on their reactions to you asking them to pick up something from the 7-Eleven on their way driving home from their shitty 9-to-5.
1: Yes, uh I, From their really shitty 9-to-5 job, another town over. Mm -hmm. The category... Here are your... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, you do the categories. You do the categories. Oh, yeah. Uh, We've got... Already got it. See you soon. No problem. Just send me the money whenever. Just passed it. Sorry. Just passed it. Sorry. Which is a lie. (laughs) Uh, Message seen at 4.54pm. Do not ask these people for anything. Cannot drive. Should not drive. (laughs) Uh, okay Okay, i'm gonna start us off with harrow in should not drive oh absolutely Um, i i I think that like she is absolutely somebody who is a a liability in any situations that require anything other than being will graham
0: (laughs) uh i'm gonna put anias and do not ask these people for anything you will owe them a much bigger favor than they gave you
1: yeah (laughs) becoming like getting uh incurring a life debt because like you uh they they picked up like six dollars worth of chips for you <laughs> um okay so ivy is going to go into the um again i think probably already got it see you soon mm-hmm. um i think that like it's it's probably in a way that's like a little annoying to you that it's like bitch don't anticipate my needs like that that's rude <laughs> of you yeah I'm going to put Maya in should not drive. (laughs) Oh, Uh, interesting. Uh, She drives uh, a mech.
0: Yeah, and, like, nothing good comes of that for the people around her, you know? This is true. So I think if you put her in a civilian motor vehicle, you're just asking for disaster.
1: Yeah. Um ash is the definition of your shitty high school friend who says just passed it sorry which is a lie (laughs) uh meanwhile i think
0: ryan is the definition of no problem just send me the money whenever and if you don't like he's never
1: gonna bring it up again for sure um let's talk about dreaming silver Mm -hmm. um who cannot drive? One hundred percent. I think that like this is this is just a a, a fundamental like uh, mismatch of uh, contexts that mm-hmm. I want to highlight.
0: Yeah, I was thinking similarly for um, Hadian uh, cannot drive um, before becoming like a weird avatar of the death and rebirth of the world. Uh, they were like kind of they were like a young team, so just not
1: even driving age. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's put Casey in just no problem, just send me the money whenever. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that specifically, like, he doesn't do the already got it, see you soon bit, um, in large part because, like, he's emotionally intelligent enough to, like, know that that might feel a little condescending to just, like, you know, um, anticipate someone's needs that way, and just wants to make sure that, like, you know, he's, like, respecting you. Mm Mm-hmm um let's see uh message seen at 4
0: or 54 p.m that's diego he just had yeah. other shit he was doing
1: it was not convenient the, for him to go to the 7-eleven and so he did not that's the definition of diego as a character he just had other shit he was doing <laughs> um remy is going to also see the message at 4 54 p.m <laughs> um and this is, to be clear, it's her shitty hitman job that she's coming back from. Uh, yeah. I think that she, like, absolutely looks at it and is like, no, oh, fuck you. <laughs> uh, I think... uh K- is a whiner. I
0: think Kay will text you just past it, sorry, because he's going really fast in his fucking sports car. <laughs> Incredible. I think, it prob- I think he's the type who can do, like, a
1: 20-minute drive in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um... Devin is going to get the car cursed within like 15 minutes of being in it. So can drive 100% but should not drive. <laughs> I think um,
0: I think Noel's going to tell you just past it. Sorry. And she's going to feel guilty about that
1: for like a long time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Wes, I think it, this one's like very dependent on like what moment of his life he's in. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think, like, kind of during the height of his relationship with, um, with Rashid, like, he would definitely do just past a sorry lie. Um, mm-hmm. but I think that, like, fundamentally, it's a don't ask these people for anything situation. <laughs> um, not necessarily because he's gonna, like, you know, really, um, like, uh, uh, uh you know, hold like it manipulate over your head it? in ways that are gonna, what's up? He's, like, not gonna manipulate you for it. No, he's just going to make you feel miserable. (laughs) Uh,
0: Whereas I think Rasheen is just very simply, just passed it, sorry, and lying.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Jazzy just passed it and is telling the truth. Um, I think that, like, this is... It's a situation where, like, he had a vision of himself, uh, saying just past it, sorry. And so figures that, like, might as well go with the flow. Like, I could stop, and it's probably not gonna, like, do anything to the timeline. But, like, nah. I don't need to. (laughs) Um, uh, don't ask Naru for anything,
0: just cause he's gonna let you down. Oof.
1: (laughs) Oof. Um, okay, uh... Eve goes in honestly no problem just send me the money whenever because like if you recall she is a hound so I think that like carrying out official responsibilities does sort of come easy to her um, and she knows that like that is her role basically on this expedition
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. um hmm Sully I think Sully saw your message yeah 100%. Uh, similarly to Diego, just a lady who's really wrapped up in her own shit and is not going to help you out. Yeah.
1: Uh, Riley said uh, just passed it sorry, which is a lie. Um, and probably like, you know, in in a less malicious way than the other ones who are on this tier. But like I just think that she's kind of a flake, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a flake who doesn't really enjoy interpersonal confrontation, except that she can, like, really do it on her own terms of being, like, you know, um, a little Twitter flirt. Mm-hmm. Um, so if she can't do that here, then she's just gonna lie about it.
0: hmm Um, hmm.
1: I think Mary just passed it
0: sorry, and she means it. Um, and that's because Mary has a more efficient commute than you think she does. Like, You are going to text her and be like, she's probably just about getting on her way. So she'll be able to uh, get it. But actually, she's been on the road for a
1: while. She left early. Yeah. Um, And then I think that Dr. Merrick is just a straightforward, like, do not ask these people for anything. Because, like, she is going to factor it into her, like, really ornate spy game plans. um, (laughs) And, like, hold it over for you for years.
0: Mm. I think, surprisingly, Karina's already got it. Um just because she's like a smuggler and a and a mule, right? So like she gets yeah, shit for people. That's not that hard. She for her. has access to stuff. Yeah. It. She's not quite as cheery as that option implies, but just cause she's got it. Okay, so can you read this tier list back to me?
1: Oh yes I can. Uh we have already got it. See you soon. Has Ivy and Karina. No problem, just send me the money whenever. Has Ryan, Casey, and Eve. Just pass it, sorry, has Ryder K, Noel, Jazzy, and Mary. Just pass it, sorry, but a lie, has Ash, Rasheen, Riley. Message seen at 4.54 PM has Diego, Remy, and Sully. Do not ask these people for anything has Aeneas, Wes, Naru, and Dr. Merrick. Cannot drive has Dreaming, Silver, and Hadean. And should not drive has Harrow, Maya, and Devon. As we said, we are probably going to be posting all of these on Twitter. Uh, So if you're curious uh, to see the actual list, you can see them there. Mm -hmm. Also, feel free to use any of these tier lists for your own characters um, or characters from your favorite shows. They rule. We love them. Yeah, I like making
0: dumb tier lists. It's really fun. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, so... All right, now that we've
0: made our dumb tier list, we're wrapping up, right? Yeah, looking forward to you know, we took a month off and then this will take another month. So we have about 10 episodes in 2022. Um, what, Like, I know we've talked about it a bit, but is there anything that you want to do or kind of like a direction you want to take the podcast in in this coming year?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think that like the big thing that we're going to try to do in season two is like, branch out to different types of ideas of like stuff that we can consider games, uh, to, to, to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, these have all been like very kind of like traditional RPGs. Um, probably the one that is like a, most formally out there is fellowship, but like even that is a PBTA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're all just about like, you know, playing one character in a serialized thing that has like a GM or somebody who's in like a near GM role. Mm-hmm. Um, things that are like little shorter one-shot RPGs or things that are kind of like world building games, um, you know, like not necessarily this one in particular, but anybody who's listened to that to friends at the table knows about those, including like the quiet year, um, things like that, I think would be very cool to kind of build in. Um, Cause especially once we've like realized and admitted to ourselves that this is a creative writing exercise, first and foremost, we're seeing these systems, Less as things to like rigorously critique, although we still will have that, mm-hmm. but more as like how well do they do at being prompts for our cool creative writing exercises?
0: Yeah, yeah. I I'd like to. Yeah, in the new year, I want to keep because I do think I like the episodes best where we do get very collaborative and we spend some time pre episode prepping, um, and I want to keep that, but to expand the 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 topics of things that we can collaborate about and you know try out new types of games and see how they contribute to us kind of like collaborating um mm-hmm. yeah and I'm, I'm really looking forward to that
1: as am i um And I hope that you all join us for the second season. It's going to be super exciting. Uh, We'll probably have, you know, maybe like one or two guests on, but fewer than uh, in previous ones. And if we do, then it's probably going to be somebody who's designed the game that we're uh, talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, So other than that, I think we're pretty much wrapped up. I had a great first year making this podcast, and I'm looking forward to another. Yeah, yeah. It's...
0: um... Yeah, it, it's funny. Um, or maybe it's not funny. Um, it feels like we very much, you know, in my memory, we started this podcast as like, hey, this is an interesting idea. Let's see what we can do with it. And I feel like mm-hmm. we, we did some really cool stuff. Like, it, it kind of outperformed my expectations as for what we could do with this podcast. And I'm just very happy with it overall.
1: 100% yeah um I can tell you why I started this podcast um it was because I liked talking to Olivia and wanted to have an excuse to do it and I specifically like talking to Olivia about RPGs so I was like Ooh, hoo, hoo, I know what to do <laughs>
0: yeah um it really worked out um mm-hmm. so yeah we are gonna <laughs> we it, it's very funny we chose like the shortest year of the month to have to then like turn around and then uh put out a new episode but we were gonna put out a new episode at the beginning of march yep No, yeah. no idea what we're gonna play so stay tuned yeah we'll figure it out yeah we'll figure it out okay then um right. yeah thanks for Thank thanks for you. being it's with everyone. us everyone yeah mm-hmm. um we don't really have a sign off so you know have a good day yeah. Just have a good day. Um, have a good have fucking day. Have a great day. day.
1: Have a good fucking have day. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.
0: Yeah. All right. Goodbye. <laughs>